Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. This is Cork Today, Cork Today. with Patricia Messenger on C103. There you go. The tune that we will always and forever associated with uh, Gay Byrne. May he rest in peace. And the very, very sad news uh, yesterday afternoon, even though we knew he'd been unwell. Um, and particularly, I think, when he didn't show up at his beloved wife's Kathleen's latest book launch a couple of weeks ago. The kind of the writing was on the wall. We knew he hadn't been well. He was battling uh, cancer. But I think the news still came as a shock. And there has been this huge outpouring of love and respect for the man. And he was loved and hated in equal measure. I remember him once talking about a survey that had been done many, many years ago when he would have been at the height of his radio and TV career with The Late Late Show. And there was a survey done where people were asked, who is your most loved living Irishman at the time, I think was the question that was being asked. And Gay Byrne topped the list and he was chuffed with that. But there was also a, a poll asked, who was the person you most disliked in Ireland at that time? And he topped that poll as well. Women had a tendency to love Gay Byrne. Not all men liked Gay Byrne. And, you know, Gay Byrne was the was the greatest advocate I think we women ever had back in the 60s, 70s, 80s and and up into the 90s with his career on radio and on uh, TV. He he was there every morning in an era where men went out to work at nine o'clock and the women switched on the radio and who was in the kitchen with them but uh, good old Gay Byrne. And there's just, as I say, there's this massive 
outpouring of love and respect for a man we will never see his likes of again that is for sure and we're looking for your thoughts and memories of Gay Byrne if there was a particular interview that he did or a particular topic that he covered that stirred something or that moved you in some way or whatever was happening at that time it will stay with you for the rest of your lives and it is because Gay Byrne was either on the radio or on the TV at the time and I just took a quick look at the papers just the front page of all of the papers just to sum up the way the print media are thinking about Gay Byrne the Irish Times have the man who held the key to the nation's secrets and to me that's probably the best of all of the titles in the papers today because he did. He did hold the key to the nation's secrets and he unlocked many of those boxes and what he released was very was very dark for many people and very troubling and disturbing for many people but a lid had to be lifted from many of those issues and we needed to come out of the dark we needed to come out of the shadows and we needed to start talking about it and because he unlocked those nation's secrets we were able to talk about it and as a nation I think we were able to move on the Irish Examiner's lead uh, says beyond compassion he had a sense of what was just that's another very very true statement the Irish Independent of a lovely picture obviously all of the papers have lovely pictures of him but they have uh, Gay Byrne 1934 to 2019, the voice of a nation falls silent. The Irish Daily Mirror say goodbye to late great Gabo, while the star run with a younger photograph of uh, uh, Gay Byrne saying Gay Boy, Gabo, voice of Ireland. And the Irish Daily Mail say thank you, Gabo. Gabo, the extraordinary life of the charming, thoughtful, humble genius who helped to change the nation. And the Irish son, I've lived my dream with a lovely picture of uh, Gay Burns. I say they're just the headlines from some of the papers today. And on that one of I've lived my dream, uh, Gay Byrne, it was only recently, it was probably, I think it was the last interview that he did. It was an interview that he did with fellow RTE broadcaster Ray Darcy. And he considered himself lucky, Gay Byrne did, despite being diagnosed with cancer late in uh, life. He spoke in the interview about taking the diagnosis in his stride. He said, if you spend the rest of your life worrying about having cancer, you're going to spend the rest of your life worrying about cancer. He said, you try to cope with it the best you can. You realise this is it. There is nothing you can do about it. You can simply cope with it or not, as the case may be. And the better way to do it is to cope with it. And then he went on to talk about the fact that he had, at that stage, this was, the interview must have been given two years ago, he did 83 years free of any worries about his health and he said you know there's not many can say that and I quote him he said you're a bloody lucky fella to be able to say that and during the interview which covered his 60 years of broadcasting he revealed that the chemotherapy treatment he underwent was difficult but he wasn't complaining he said I'm okay I get around very well I do as much as I can but he said I'm certainly not strong and then he spoke about having to walk out with the help of a crutch and uh, how it, it just all slowed him down. But his biggest worry was being a burden to his beloved wife, Kathleen, who he described as never endingly good and kind. And then 
Ray Darcy asked him about his own mortality and he said, obviously I'm closer to the exit than the entry door and it's coming faster and there's nothing I can do to avoid it and this thing being the prostate cancer that I have will probably hasten it. But if that's to be it, that's to be it. There's nothing I can do about it. And uh, he went on to say, he said, I'm not afraid of dying. I've no fear of dying whatsoever. But he, he was speaking about not wanting to die in agony with tubes coming out of him. And by all accounts, but the family has said he died a very peaceful death surrounded by his family, which is which is the way you would want it for Gabo, isn't it? I mean, because it's it's almost like we all knew him. We, you know, I mean, Uncle Gabo, how often did people call him Uncle Gabo? And we felt in a way that he was our uncle. And that was the charm of the man. And that's why he was such a good broadcaster because he was he was a friend uh, to all. So if you if you're thinking back on Gabor all of the papers, by many of them, by the way, are doing these really good pullouts where various people are doing tributes to the man and their own, their own memories of the man. And uh, we're going to be doing something similar uh, later on. We've invited John Creedon, our own John Creedon, to join us on the programme with his memories of Gay Byrne. He actually happened to be in uh, Donnybrook in Dublin yesterday when the news broke. And, and I imagine the mood inside in, in Donnybrook yesterday was a very, very sombre one uh, indeed. We've also invited Alice Taylor uh, to join us because I still, when I look back on the late, late and highlights of the late, late, one of them to me would have been Alice Taylor on the late, late when she came on to speak about her first book to school through the fields. And I'm, I'm sure Alice told me at one stage, I think she'd been on the radio programme first and he, Gay Byrne had got such a reaction to Alice talking about the book that she, he invited her on to the Late Late Show. So we'll talk to her a, a little bit about that. But it, it very much put, I remember seeing Alice Taylor on the TV that night and going out the next day and buying the book and thinking, this is just wonderful. So he very much helped Alice Taylor and the wonderful career that she has gone on to have. So we'll speak with um, Alice uh, today. And then when I look back, the one interview, I think, from his radio programme that will always stand out for me and younger listeners will will be un- probably unaware of this story. And it was the Anne Lovett case. And it was back in the 31st of January 1984. And I can clearly remember standing in, I was actually babysitting for a friend of mine. And I was standing in the kitchen of her house and I must have been doing baking or something with the kids because I can I can still see myself. I think I was making uh, pastry for tarts or something. And Gay Byrne comes on the radio and that signature tune would have played at nine o'clock on that morning, the 31st of uh, January. And he started to talk about this story that was unfolding from Granard in County Longford. And I hadn't even heard of Granard. I didn't even know uh, where it was. And the story that was unfolding was the story of a 15 year old schoolgirl wearing her school uniform. A young girl who whose name we all got to know and love it. And she had died giving birth to a baby boy and it was a full term baby boy. And she had given birth in a grotto in Granard in County Longford in her school uniform. And she had been discovered by two other schoolboys on their way home. They took a shortcut through the grotto to go home that afternoon and they found and Lovett and obviously alerted uh, the services. Uh, but Anne Lovett 
had already passed away as had her baby. And Gay Burns started talking about that story and he sent a reporter down to Granard and, and even to this day people in Granard don't want to talk about Anne Lovett and don't want to talk about what happened in the lead up to that time and, and at that time and what happened afterwards. They just I suppose it's a sense of embarrassment. You would you would not, nobody would want for something like that to have happened on their doorstep and, and I suppose there is that sense of embarrassment and trying to protect the community. I'm assuming that's the reason they don't want to talk about it. But Gay Byrne simply said, you know, what is this all about? You know, what is this all about? That here we are in nineteen eighty four that a fifteen year old girl in her school uniform can die giving birth to a baby in a grotto. In you know, in the middle of, of a, a rural village, you know, you know, what is this all about? And it was literally just those words. And I don't even think he realised the impact of what those words were going to have on the people listening. And what then happened was in the weeks after Anne Lovett's death, sackloads, literally sackloads of letters started arriving to Gayburn. And you're talking about 1984 when we didn't have the internet. So it wasn't a case of just hopping onto your computer or your tablet and typing a quick e- email. It wasn't a case of picking up your phone or I'll send a quick text message to the radio programme or I'll send a WhatsApp. You had to sit down, you had to put pen to paper, you had to address the envelope, Gayburn, RTE, Donnybrook, Dublin. You had to go to the post office, you had to buy a stamp and you had to post it. So there was a bit of effort involved if you wanted to interact with this programme on this particular topic. But women did and they did in their thousands because literally sackloads of letters arrived and they were the women were outlining the devastating impact of their own secret pregnancies, almost trying to answer that question. What is this all about? You want to know what it's all about, Gay? Well, listen to what happened to me. And women wrote about becoming pregnant and it wasn't a case of a, of a lustful relationship with a partner or with a man in, in all cases. In many cases, women wrote about how they'd been sexually abused. Women wrote about how they became pregnant because of rape. They wrote about how they became pregnant because of incest. And these were women who were never, ever able to speak about what had happened to them. And they were the ones that were forced to feel shamed because they became pregnant. And then there was the secret pregnancies. Many of the babies ended up being uh, adopted. Some of these women would have ended up in the mother and baby homes. Some would have ended up in uh, Magdalene laundries. But it was just endless, endless the amount of letters. And Gay Byrne decided, we'll broadcast the letters. We will read the letters out. So he, there was himself... And then there was two others. There was a male and a female. They were actors, I'm sure. I have it in my head that one was Colette Proctor, but I'd have to get that double checked. And they sat in the studio and they literally, Gay would read a letter, the male actor would read a letter and the female would would read a letter. And they just read letter after letter after letter. And the letters literally stunned this uh, nation. But what it did was it started a conversation about teenage pregnancies and about women becoming pregnant who weren't married, born out of wedlock. I mean, it's hard to even even use the terminology uh, today. But it what it ultimately did was it went on to dispel the stigma and the shame. And even if the pregnancy was as a result of a loving relationship, so be it. What was it at the end of nine months? A life. That's all it is. Nothing to be ashamed of. No stigma. 
nothing. Get over it. Move on. And thankfully, as a country, as a nation and as a society, we have moved on. But we've moved on because Gay Byrne had the foresight to realise when those letters arrived, we need to share these letters. We need to read out these letters. And obviously there was no names used uh, on air because at one stage I heard that one of the producers on the show said, oh, these would make a great book. And Gay Byrne said, no, while they would make a great book, these women have written to the show because they want their voices to be heard. So because he felt the best way was to put them out uh, on the radio. And I think it got out to way more people by reading the letters out rather than, yes, it would have made a great book, but it would have got to a much smaller uh, audience. He he knew what he was doing. Um, He was clever in the way that he did it, but he did it for all the right reasons uh, as well. So um, that, to me, from a radio point of view, that would be my uh, standout moment. And then when you look at The Late Late Show, I mean, there's just so, so many interviews on The Late Late Show. One, I think, and it has to be mentioned, and I, I think, Gay Byrne would want it mentioned because he would always be the first to point out his own flaws was when he got it wrong. And hand on heart, he got it wrong with Annie Murphy. Remember Annie Murphy? She rocked the Catholic uh, Church. And I'm shocked to see that this was 25 years ago. Uh, Annie Murphy revealed that she had had a child with Bishop Eamon Casey. For 18 years, Bishop Eamon Casey had been making child payments to her. And of course, the big scandal from the money point of view was some of the money had come from diocesan funds in Galway, even though it was all subsequently paid back by friends of Bishop Eamon uh, Casey. She then wrote a book revealing the affair and the book was called Forbidden Fruit. So Gay Byrne decided to invite her on to the Late Late Show to talk about the book. And she said at the time she wanted to expose his vow breaking and to make him publicly acknowledge his son. But she got a very hostile reception from Gay Byrne and from the audience. I I remember at the time getting a sense of, is is he setting her up here ever so slightly? And of course, the punchline then at the the very end was Gay Byrne saying, if your son is half a good a man as his father is, i.e. Bishop Eamon Casey, he won't be doing too bad. To which Annie Murphy then said, I'm not so bad either, Mr Byrne. And that's when she got up and uh, she uh, walked, uh, walked off. I think he was wrong in the way he handled Annie Murphy. He very obviously was a very close friend of Bishop Eamon Casey and there's something noble about backing your friend but he got it wrong with Annie Murphy and I've subsequently discovered that after the interview because there was a huge backlash against him over his handling of Annie Murphy particularly by uh, women. Some people thought he was right to do what he did but I think the majority of people saw what he did was wrong. He went and found her in the studios before she left Book, and he apologised. So I think he knew instantly that he'd got it wrong you know that she had this was her story to tell you know and you can't put it all on the woman and what got to me at the time when he did it was he'd been such an advocate for women and suddenly he was pointing the finger of blame and it couldn't possibly be Bishop Eamon Casey's fault it had to be the fallen woman's fault instead but as I say he knew when he was wrong uh, and he admitted it and that's that's the mark of the man uh, as well anyway if you have memories of Gay Byrne, as they say, particular standout interviews. We would love to hear from you. There was many artists who became 
can say they got their break on the Late Late Show. You know, I mean, the ones that the the funny one with the boys on one, you can't sing, you can't dance. That one uh, was, was the start of the boys on career. You too. And we know what you too did for Gay Byrne on his last show by turning up and giving him the present of the Harley Davidson, the expensive motorbike. And that was their way of saying thank you, Gay Byrne, for what you've done for us and for our career. But there was one other artist that I always felt he was always so particularly kind to. And that was Sinead O'Connor, who had uh, who's always had a kind of a troubled journey through life and her career and he was always so kind and gentle to her and whenever you saw an interview with Sinead O'Connor and Gay Byrne you knew you were going to get the best interview that Sinead O'Connor would possibly be able to give and I never saw anybody else interview Sinead O'Connor the way Gay Byrne was able uh, to do it and I know that Sinead O'Connor, no doubt, is feeling very saddened today because she will definitely feel that she's lost a friend. It's been seven hours and fifteen days Since you took your love away
That's Sinead O'Connor on C103 and nothing compares to you. And that's what an apt song to play uh, for the late, great Gay Byrne. Some of your comments coming in. Mike in Bantry says, Gabriel Mary Byrne was a great man. We'll all miss him, uh, says uh, Mike. And thank you to uh, somebody calling me the Queen of the Airwaves and a beautiful text, which I will decline reading out. But thank you. <laughs> thank you. The uh, sentiments are are accepted with graciousness. Uh, thank you. Uh, God rest Gay Byrne, says another texter. Both himself and Father Brian Darcy uh, were, are, in Brian Darcy's case, the two best people that were ever born. And there were some wonderful interactions between Gay Byrne and Father Brian Darcy on the programme. They, they, they were interviews, they were standout interviews uh, as well. And one thing that struck me was, uh, and I saw it written down, I read so much about Gay Byrne yesterday, he would never allow any of the production team or anybody working on The Late Late to reveal who was coming on the show. You know the way every Friday morning when The Late Late Show was on now, you'll hear Simon on The Breakfast Show say, oh, I'm coming up on The Late Late Show tonight and they'll call out, you know, all of the different... RT will will reveal who the guests are. Gay Byrne refused to ever allow it to be said who was coming on the show. And I'm thinking the idea behind it was that held the viewer because you were always afraid, even if something came on, that you found there was a little bit boring or it was a topic that you weren't that interested in. You kind of hung in there They'd go to the ad break and sure God knows you never know who'd show up in the second or the third part. And because he didn't advance sell what was coming up, I think it worked. I actually do think it worked. I think it held you there much longer than if it was something that, you know, oh, no, I'm not interested in any of those particular guests. I mightn't watch it uh, at all. Uh, good morning. Here's another texter. Gayburn. What a lovely man. Every morning when his signature tune came on, time to grab the school bags and drive to meet the bus for me and back to listen to Gay as I did my housework. I loved his programmes. Also particularly loved the late, late shows. He enlightened a lot of people. He was a man ahead of his time. Gay, there will never be another you. And that's 
is absolutely for sure. He certainly was way ahead of his time. And Patricia, those letters that you spoke about, the Anne Lovett letters, they should be put in a book now. They should. I wonder if they, where are they? Are they in the bowels of the building somewhere in uh, RTE? Mary says, Patricia, my standout memory of Uncle Gabo is the night a man danced and Gabo standing there saying, and you broke your back? I think, and if, I think that was black and white, wasn't it, as well? I think I've seen it on a clip, you know, when they show the old uh, clips of it. And somebody else says, when I'm speaking about Annie Murphy, saying, where is Eamon Casey's, Bishop Eamon Casey's son now? Peter Murphy, I, I, I don't know. He, wa- he was in Ireland at one stage, I know. And wasn't he doing a bit of modelling? I'm, I'm unsure. I'll see if I can do a quick search later on and find out uh, where he is but I know I, I don't off the top of my head I don't know uh, where it is and somebody else is saying don't forget Dr Dennis uh, Cotter what a great loss he is to Bantry while well, you're talking about the great loss that Gay Barney we remembered um, Dr Dennis Cotter uh, yesterday such sad sad news for the people of Bantry and the surrounding areas another Mary this is by WhatsApp says hi Patricia I heard a very funny interview uh, on Morning Ireland this morning from Mike Murphy. They had a totally different way of preparing for their programmes. Gay Byrne utter professional had everything timed to a T. Mike Murphy had a very different technique. Yeah I could just I could imagine that they would be like chalk and cheese Mary said as well. Well worth listening back to completely and they were such great friends and if you want a good laugh that to this day still makes me smile when I see it and I saw so many people share it yesterday on social media. The clip of Gay Byrne trying to do the piece to camera outside Trinity College and Mike Murphy the candid camera dressed up as a Frenchman and it was on the eve of a France-Ireland rugby match <laughs> Gay Byrne completely losing the cool with this nutter and then the fun that they had at the end when Gay Byrne realised it was Mike Murphy on a candid camera and Gay Byrne always said that Mike Murphy would never catch him out on a candid camera but by God did he catch him out then. Now years later Gay Byrne said oh I knew it was him all along but he didn't. He absolutely didn't and if you watch it back you'll get a bigger giggle today as you would have when we watched it all those uh, years ago. Uh, hi, this is by WhatsApp. Hi, Gabar, and he was a gentleman. I would love to have met him, but never lucky enough. May he rest in peace. God love him. Loved the Late Late Show. It was a great show, says a WhatsApper. Carmen and Ross Carberry, I agree with you, Patricia. We, the women of Ireland, have a lot to be thankful to Gabar for. He gave us a voice. Many would write to him on issues that were never raised before and he would raise them on our behalf. This was a time before social media or local radio uh, and it was our only voice that we had was Gay Byrne. Joe and Charlevoix says it was a different era and watching the clips last night on TV while there was so much harm going on in Ireland at the time. Didn't it show watching the old Late Late Show highlights that it seemed a happier place to live in than Ireland is today even though we're probably in a better place economically but we seemed to be happier back in those black and white days. And Graham Norton has tweeted so very sad to hear about the passing of Gay Byrne. He was a giant in broadcasting. He showed us all how it should be done. Generous, funny, informed 
and more than anything else completely at ease on air my thoughts are with Kathleen and the girls and a nation that adored him well done uh, Graham. that's a lovely message from Graham. and Gay Byrne is still trending on Twitter and has been around the world he started trending yesterday and John Paul tells me still uh, trending today and there's one other story now this is uh, something that I don't remember because it was back in uh, 1966 but it's a story when people talk about the late late that people and Gay Byrne used to talk about it the story of the Bishop and the Knighty and I suppose this shows how far we have come and this was something that happened in pretty much in the early days of the Late Late because the Late Late started in 1962 and he this happened in 1966 so the show was only four years on and there was a gentleman by the name of Richard Fox and his new wife Eileen they appeared on the Late Late Show and there must have been big excitement that they were invited onto the Late Late and they were invited to take part as a newly married couple to take part in a quiz designed for married couples. So Gabo asked Mr Fox what colour nighty his wife wore on their honeymoon. Mr Fox said it was transparent while his new wife said she couldn't remember what colour it was and then she just a little quip kind of a little add-on says perhaps I wasn't wearing one at all. Now the audience laughed Everybody saw the funny side of it and that was it. And it was just, you know, another little quirky little thing that happened on the Late Late Show. But the Bishop of Clonfort, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Thomas Ryan, complained to RTE that the item was, I quote, disgusting and immoral. And he actually denounced the broadcast from the pulpit. The subsequent public outrage lasted for weeks with public opinion divided between those who agreed with the bishop that it was disgusting and immoral for a woman to say on national TV that she may have been wearing no nighty at all on her honeymoon. And there was others who just saw it as a light-hearted piece of entertainment. And that will just tell you the Ireland that it was in 1966. We will return to your thoughts and comments and remembering the late, great uh, gay burn. And by the way, a number of people are asking uh, locally if there's any books of condolences because we know uh, almost immediately books of condolences started opening in Dublin uh, yesterday. Haven't heard of any books of condolences opening in Cork yet. Yes, we do know their books of condolence have opened by at Kerry County Council offices. So that would be the closest uh, to us here in Cork, uh, in Tralee, in the county buildings and in Killarney in the town hall. And they are open from 9am uh, today and will be open, will be available to the public during public office hours. But as I say, if... Book of Condolences opens here in Cork. We will bring it to you. And we'll, we will come back to remembering Gay Byrne. But I want to move on for a moment because as we mentioned yesterday, a small number of Defence Forces personnel have travelled to Turkey in an ongoing operation that could see Lisa Smith and her two-year-old daughter returned to Ireland. The 38-year-old had travelled to Syria three years ago to join the so-called Islamic State. Joining me to outline what he expects could happen to Lisa Smith when she gets home is Independent Senator Gerard Crockwell. Good morning to you, Gerard. Good morning, Patricia. I, I'm, I'm, I'm very well and, and you're welcome to the program. Actually, speaking of Gay Byrne, I'm assuming over the years you would have been interviewed by Gay, Gay Byrne, were you? No, unfortunately not. I only met Gay for the first time in July of this year and um, it's, it'll always be a matter of great regret that I never got to know the man better. Okay. Uh, he did us some service. He did no indeed. About that. He, he did indeed. 
Now, speaking with regard to, uh, to Lisa Smith, speaking firstly from your army background point of view, are the Defence Forces personnel in any danger travelling to the Turkish-Syrian border to escort Lisa Smith home? Well, the first thing I've got to say to your listeners is it's absolutely outrageous that this story broke in the middle of a, um, a an operation uh, and that may have put people's lives at risk. Um, and I know that your station didn't break it and I know that you're merely doing a public service now by discussing the matter. Uh, and I, I very much applaud you for that. Um, I don't believe that the uh, Ranger Wing that are out there are in an operational um Capacity, if you want, I think they will be more in an advisory capacity in supporting the Department of Foreign Affairs uh, as we seek to try and extricate uh, this lady and the child she alleges is hers um, to bring both back to Ireland. Do you believe it's the right thing to do? Um, I believe if the child is indeed hers, and I have no idea, no way of knowing other than what we've been told right now that that is the case, um, the child is my primary concern. The child needs to be brought back to Ireland. Although the child's citizenship could be claimed in the UK and in Syria as well for the child. But listen, Ireland is a caring nation, and I think we need to bring that child back here uh, where it can be safe and where it can be brought up. But you would... You wouldn't suggest bringing the child back without the mother? No, no. Uh, no. The, uh, Miss Smith will have to come back. But when she comes back, she will be um, a person of interest to the guard of Shirkana. And um, I think it will be a long and protracted um, uh, case when she returns, first and foremost, to establish what precisely she got up to while she was there, um, because there are serious questions to be asked. Secondly, the level of radicalisation that she has gone through, can we be certain that that has been purged? And thirdly, can we be sure that she is not coming back to radicalise other young people in this country? Do you do you think she poses real dangers on her return or could oh. pose real dangers? Oh, I do believe that she could pose real danger. I mean, do bear in mind she was out there uh, when some of the most heinous crimes were committed, when uh, Europeans particularly had their heads uh, cut off um, when the most heinous murders, when the destruction of villages, the rape of young women, uh, all of these things took place while she was there. I I would have serious, serious concerns when she comes back. That and when she was questioned, particularly about the beheadings, uh, I remember her answer at the time was, well, there was atrocities on both sides. She almost justified why it happened. Yeah, and for anybody who watched... Uh, Joe Duffy's uh, documentary last night about the the killing of children uh, during the Troubles in Northern Ireland, those sort of answers to me are actually sickening. Um, Just because one side decides to do something heinous, do we have to respond with something similar? Um, It was totally unacceptable to me, and I'm sure it would be unacceptable to most of your listeners that anybody would justify what was done out there on the basis that uh, there were, well, the other side were equally as bad. Yeah, two wrongs will will never make a right. Um, Gerard, have you any understanding how somebody who had been a member of the Irish Army and the Air Air Corps could become radicalised the way Lisa Smith did? Sadly, Patricia, my own belief is that. uh, to a large degree, we are letting our young people down with the state of the economy, the state of homelessness, uh, the various different social problems that exist. And I think it's probably easy enough 
to radicalise people should you set out with the goal of doing that. People are struggling looking for leadership in the world and there is none. And people tend to migrate towards very strong um, uh, opinions, if you want, at a time when leadership is absent in the world. Um, yes, I think that there is this, a, a real danger of young people being radicalised. I mean, last night I listened to uh, a man speak down the country about the migrant issue. And by the way, I don't refer to the people coming to the country as refugees. The refugees are very different uh, individual entirely. The migrants that are coming in the main, are economic migrants. And who in Ireland can turn around and criticise that? We've spent generations being economic migrants. So I can understand people wanting to come to countries like Ireland. But uh, the level of hate that we're beginning to hear, albeit in minority groups at the moment, is deeply, deeply disturbing. So it is. And I'm sure that your listeners, most of them being decent, honest people that do an ordinary day's work for an ordinary day's pay, rear as our families live and try to let others live, I'm sure they're absolutely appalled by some of the things that are happening in the country. Oh, and when you, you know, the latest one being what's going on in, in Ackle, and yet the people in Ackle who are protesting say they're not protesting against against the asylum seekers coming, they're protesting against the conditions. Does that carry any muster with you? I can understand some of it. I mean, um, I've looked at the sites. I know the site, for example, in Uchtarard well. I know the site in Ackle well. I cannot for the life of me understand why we would uh, expect a group of people to go. For example, the the one in Uchtarard was about seven uh, miles from Uchtarard village, about five miles from Mycullen village. And we were going to put over 100 young people in there with no facilities, very little by way of income, uh, and nothing to do. So, I mean, I think we need to revisit the whole direct provision uh, issue in this country um, in order to make it far more humane and far more, um, uh, I suppose, integratable. There are places here in Dublin, Patricia, where there are entire populations. There are small enclaves of entire populations that are all North African. And that's not integration. That's ghettoizing. And that, if we talk about, going back to what we were talking about, radicalization and things like that they, they, when you build ghettos that's what you do you build uh, places where radicalization can take place and by the way you don't have to be colored to be radicalized but there are ghettoized areas where there are white caucasians as well so i mean we need to look at social policy in a big way in this country i think we're going to learn an awful lot from miss smith when she comes back yeah you see that's that's the one thing where, you know when this all broke and we realized that here was one of our own uh, was out with uh, with isa and at the time appeared that she wanted uh, to come home I, that struck me straight away you know if, if she's willing to open up and really bear her soul and say what happened we could learn so much in the hope that we could stop other young women and men becoming radicalised Absolutely. Now you've hit the nail on the head. I mean, that is the the one positive about bringing the lady home is that we should be able to, if you want to debrief her, find out where the radicalisation took place, find out who was behind it. One of the interesting things in in, in Irish society in recent years is uh, we, you and I probably, well, certainly I was brought up in a very Catholic Ireland where we lived by a set of mores, rules, if you want, that uh, controlled our lives. Uh, then we had the complete liberalisation of the country and now we have young people looking for strict 
religious or strict uh, sects where they can uh, limit us in what they can and cannot do. And that's a rather interesting change in society. Yeah, it is indeed. All right, listen, uh, Jared. pleasure as always to talk to you. Thank you for that. Thank and you, thanks George. for joining us. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Senator Gerard uh, Crockwell uh, joining us. And uh, in really, I was really interested in Gerard's views because of his own army background as well. But uh, just, you know, I do think a lot can be learned from uh, Lisa Smith. I know yesterday when we spoke about her, there was many people felt that what the, the army going out, we shouldn't be doing it. This is taxpayers' money is going out. We could be putting some of our army personnel in danger by sending them out to the Syrian Turkish border and then when and if Lisa Smith does come home because it will depend on if she wants to come home as well and if she wants to come back uh, to live in Ireland what dangers does she pose and will she have to be monitored for I mean will she be monitored for the rest of her life and what way is that to live? I suppose only time will tell. 1850-333-103 John Paul taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary is a free service to help non-profit organisations all over Cork. So if you're a community group or a charity that's holding a fundraising event or meeting, send us the details at least one week in advance and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email info at c103.ie. The Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103.
And there's you 2 on C103, another one of those names that we mentioned who are can be very, very thankful to Gay Byrne and in particular the Late Late Show for giving them all a chance at the very start when they were complete uh, unknowns. And I know each member of you 2 deemed Gay Byrne a very good friend of theirs, so they'll all be very much saddened uh, today. And as you possibly heard on the news with Barry at 11, a book of condolence has opened in Cork as we expected it would. And uh, from today, there is a book of condolence opened at the atrium at Cork City Hall. It's been organised by the Deputy Lord Mayor of Cork, Councillor Fergal Dennehy on Anglesey Street in memory of the Irish television legend Gay Burns. If you're in and around the city, pop into the atrium at Cork City Hall. As of yet, we haven't heard of a book of condolence opening in the county. Maybe it will. If anybody knows of one, please let us know. 1850-333-103. Continuing to get a lot of uh, texts and calls and emails in about Gay Byrne. Let me bring some of them to you. Uh, Tim, uh, never the cheeriest of listeners is our Tim, but he's a loyal listener and he's regularly texts in to us. Um, not a fan of Gay Byrne, I take it, Tim. Tim says, I hardly ever heard Gay Byrne's radio programme. Ah, you missed out, Tim, I'll tell you that. But his Late Late Show was lucky. I'm not too sure what you mean by that. Once he had a programme with priests and he left them off lightly. Bunny Carr did a better job on teen talk with seminarians, says Tim, who also was picking up on the fact that somebody said the 60s and the black and white days were a happier time in this country. Question mark, says Tim, and love it. And the people pregnant out of wedlock and the children who could do nothing about their status would have a very different view, says the ever cheery Tim, who is looking back with a very different has very different memories of uh, the late great uh, Gay Byrne. Gay, says another texter, was brilliant. He was ahead of his time. What a legend. By WhatsApp, uh, Geraldine, Patricia, you're doing a fantastic job on paying tribute to the late great Gay Byrne. Like Gay, you have a fantastic broadcasting voice. <laughs> Thank you for that. And a great skill in analysing his life and career. I'm enjoying this morning's programme. It's allowing me to remember Gay with very fond memories. May he rest in peace, says Jordan. Thank you, Jordan, and uh, for your kind thoughts. Uh, Anthony, sad news on Gay Byrne, the legend that he was. I loved the toy show and who wants to be a millionaire. I do think, and while I will watch the toy show at the end of the month and will enjoy it, though there's never been a toy show as good as when Gay did it. I, I and I'm and I'm not looking at it through rose tinted glasses. I really I don't think we've had some great toy shows since, but they were never every year on year he managed to nail the toy show. And I don't know what it is about subsequently Pat Kenny and now Ryan Tuberty. They do their best and I think Ryan Tuberty is doing better than Pat Kenny on the toy show, but it's still not as good. Not as good. Maybe that's just me. Uh, 1850 also coming into us Anne in Mitchellstown says a number of years ago this is where I'm asking you if there's a particular Late Late Show or a particular radio topic that will always stay in your mind share it with us a number of years ago says Anne one night in the Late Late Show a prize was given out and the lady who got the phone call about the prize was from Toker and her daughter had died the night before. I'll never forget the expression on Gay Byrne's uh, face. Now that's a particularly famous one that Gay Byrne himself used to uh, talk about. That actually happened, it's got over half a century ago. It was in uh, 1997. It was, it, was, it was a postal quiz 
And back in those days, it's very different to now to people ringing a 1550 or an 1850 number. Are you sending a text? Back in the good old days with a quiz on the Late Late Show, you'd have the quiz and they were tough. They were tough questions. And then you'd have to send in a postcard. And then the following week, sometimes they'd roll out this huge big container with all of the postcards in it and Gay would dig deep and he'd pick out a card out of it and then they would ring the person and the person had to be at home I think to answer a question but the person definitely had to be at home in order to win the prize so on this particular night back in 1997 Gay Byrne rang the first card that came out and the winner wasn't at home to answer the question. So there was much hilarity inside in the studio. And I can imagine Gago thinking, oh my God, am I ever going to give whatever it was? I think it was a car he was giving away. So then he rang the second number. And the second number was to a lady in Toker by the name of Rita Handley. And Gayburn, in Gayburn style, was saying to her that she just won a car. But he said, you don't seem to be too delighted with the news that I'm ringing you up to tell you that you've won a car. And then Mrs Handley explained that her daughter, Linda, had died the previous night having been knocked down by a car. And Gay Byrne, his, as that listener just said, his face just was summed up how the nation felt. I mean, you almost held your breath. as, And I can clearly remember being at home watching it. And you just held your breath when you realised what this woman had said. And this overwhelming moment of uh, emotion and it didn't phase him at all. He lowered his tone. He went from this hilarity of the first person not being in to just speaking very gently to her about her grief and then you know he offered her comfort and, and he offered her support and my memory of that night was that she said her daughter Linda had actually posted the postcard for her. And then he asked her, did she want to continue? And, you know, in memory and in honour of of her daughter, uh, she did. And then he was very blessed that his guest on that night happened to be the the wonderful poet, uh, Brendan uh, Kennelly, and he happened to be sitting in the, the panel beside him. So Gay finished by turning to Brendan and asking him for a few words. And then he responded by quietly reciting the very fitting poem, Begin. And which left the entire nation stunned uh, into silence. And many, many people would say, and I'm glad people are highlighting it, they would pinpoint that that was one of Gay Burns' finest hours. He, he didn't panic. It was just the humanity of the man came out in the way uh, he handled it. And, and I don't know where Rita Handley is now. Uh, if she's still alive and still living in Toker, no doubt there are family members, but it was one of those rare, rare moments of broadcasting that I certainly will never forget. And, and I think like that listener who contacted us, Anne in Mitchellstown, it's one of those it's one of those events that just sticks out in your mind. You will just, you'll never, ever uh, forget that uh, moment. Uh, Sheila, thank you, Anne, for that. Sheila on email says, what a beautiful, heartfelt tribute to Gay Byrne. Uh, Patricia, you're capturing the essence of the man so beautifully and echoing our memories of this great man. Gay Byrne deserves some kind of a lasting tribute, such as an award or a charity in his name. Uh, thank you, Patricia, and the team at C102, 103, uh, for all your good, the good work you did. Thank you. And, and thank you to people that are, that are saying nice things about us as well. Uh, I, uh, we really do appreciate it. On a lighter note then, Tony, or Tom, 
in Donnerill. So it's going back many years when Gay was on uh, Radio Air. Gay was doing an interview. It was April Fool's Day, 1st of April. And the guard that he arrived, and it was an April Fool's Day joke, obviously, arrived into the studio and they arrested Gay Byrne and they walked him down the street with Gay protesting his innocence and defending his programme. And I don't know what they were arresting him uh, for. But anyway, he was taken away and it was all an April Fool's Day joke. But the word got, obviously people were listening to this. Guard the stations across the country seemingly became inundated with calls asking for Gay Byrne to be released. Isn't that, isn't that just incredible? I don't remember that story, but it's, it's a terrific one. And President Kennedy says, Tony in Donnerell says, it's not what your country can do for you, but it's what you can do for your country. And Gay Byrne achieved that. And by God, he did. He achieved that and much, much more. Let me go to the phone lines where Brendan in Bantry uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Brendan. Good morning, Patricia. Your best late, late show memory, please. Yeah, it was the, the one from Cock Up Rose. I think it was 1982 that he had all the cock celebrities on. And uh, it, it was very rare that they took the Late Late Show out of Dublin. That was one of the rare times they did it. Very rare, yeah. And I remember Gay Byrne came out and he normally either before there was a lot of material in it. But this night he came out and he, he opened the folder and it was empty. And he said he didn't know what was in front of him. And um, <laughs> like it was the, one of the best late lates. I, I, I can remember, like he had Paddy Comerford, Joe Lynch, Bill O'Connor, Neil Toby, and Jan Moya. You know, all, all the great, the great, Comedians all from the Cork. fantastic Cork characters. They were brilliant, yeah. yeah. And they were ones that, you know, we in Cork knew and loved, but the nation knew and loved them. They loved them, yeah. And Gay Burden loved them. And like, it was, it was laughter from start to finish. Yeah. Wasn't it? And they were the best shows when he had comedians on like that. Oh, they were brilliant, yeah. yeah. And the way he could bring them out and talk to them. And, like it was, um, yeah, he was brilliant, gay, and, and and he was like everyone in Ireland, every everyone loved him. But um, that 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 particular show stood out for me anyway. It was, uh, you know, it stays in my mind. Yeah, we'll never see his likes again. That's for sure. Never again. No. no. Or, and you've got your own sadness, Brendan, in Bantry with the, the have, sad yeah, loss of Doctor Dennis. Dennis or Dennis Carter is right. Oh my uh, God! My God! He sadly missed. There's sadly. another man whose likes we'll never see again. That's quite true, Patricia. Quite true, yeah. Great his, um, his removal is today, you know, actually. Is it? Is it? May, yeah. may he rest in peace. And once may again, rest in peace. Sympathies to his family. Brendan, thank you for that. Thank and you, Patricia. God bless. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Bye-bye. And actually, John Paul says that opening video is on our C103 Facebook page, the one that Brendan's talking about when they decided to take the Late Late Show out of Dublin and bring it to Cork. And I wonder, was that Gay Burns' uh, decision? You'd, you'd, You'd wonder who made that decision, but it was fantastic and it was one of those great late, late shows that a lot of people remember very, very fondly and it was literally a laugh a minute. And I loved when Gay Byrne did the the funny interviews and the comedians. Uh, Lenny Henry, he was always fantastic with Lenny Henry, Billy Connolly. He was always, it was, you, you, your face would light up when you'd see that Billy Connolly was going to be on. And another one that I always enjoyed was our own Brendan O'Carroll. Now we've we're reaching out to try to get through to Brendan O'Carroll because he was doing his show 
over in England, the stage show, and we thought he was still in England, but we've we, we've gotten on to his sister uh, Eilish Winnie from Mrs Brown's Boys to say he has gone back to Orlando of course Brendan now lives in Orlando there is the time difference and all of that and, and we're doing our best to try to reach out because I would love to have a quick chat with Brendan O'Connor and to get his memories because he would have wonderful wonderful memories of Gay Byrne and I know Brendan still does the Christmas Eve show that they do on Grafton Street that Gay Byrne started and Joe Duffy now continues and I know Brendan's very much involved in that as well so we, as I say we are trying to reach out and see if we can get through to Brendan but we've just heard that he is in Orlando so we may not be able to uh, get through to him. Marion Mallow on the toy show says Gay let the children play with the toys and Tubbard, the Tubbardy show is turning into more of a talent show than a toy show. They have all of the toys, but the show is so very different. I would say to Ryan Tuberty to have a separate night for talent only. I just let the children play with the toys. That's what Gay Byrne did. It was all about the toys and it was all about letting the children play with the toys. And they've changed the format and it has now become a, a brilliant children's talent show, can I say. It shows the fantastic talent that we have in this country when it comes to our young people. 1850 John Paul takes your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 C103 Jobs. CE Tree Services, they're looking for ground staff for immediate start experience. Would be preferred, but it's not essential. And you, we also are looking for a part-time taxi driver that's wanted for a school run in the Charleville area. Plumbers, labourers and electricians are wanted. And Brookfield Care Centre in Leem Lara, that's near Watergrass Hill, They've got vacancies for kitchen assistance staff and health care assistants. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Now, I once read that Gay Byrne never had the intention to change Ireland, just entertain Ireland. But unlike any other broadcaster, he did change this country. He was fearless when it came to handling topics and no one else, that nobody else wanted to talk about and nobody else wanted to face up to. He always asked the right questions and above all, he allowed the voices to be heard. And as many are saying this morning, we'll never see his likes again. Our own John Creedon joins us to remember the legend that was uh, Gable. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Now, I suppose at a, at a time like this, everybody has something to say and uh, whether he, it, it was a kind of a, a voice on the kitchen window in the bungalow over the years, everybody has some memory about something Gay Byrne said and of course over the years, as you know, in a trade like this, um, he will have met thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. So many people I think today will be recalling their encounter with yeah. Gay Byrne or and the night they were at the lake. And it's know? interesting, it, the amount of people that I've heard who met him, at, you know, whether it was on holidays in Donegal or as you say, met him as part of the Late Late Show or met him to work. Everybody talks about the charming man that he was. He had time yeah, for was- everybody. Yeah, very well. You know something. Um, I'm not sure he had time because he never had. He didn't. He didn't indulge foods. He didn't engage in small talk in the corridor. Hello, and he was sailing past 
So he, the man couldn't, clearly because of his position in Irish society, stop and spend forever talking to everybody all the time. So he had some brilliant knacks for gliding around the world. Um, he would wear a hat be times. He would wear a pair of glasses be times. So he could sail down Grafton Street unmolested, so to speak. But, <laughs> he, was, but he was always courteous, I have yeah, to say. Yeah, mannerly. What a handsome man as well. I mean, just dapper, handsome, groovy. Um, so I can see why people just gravitated towards him. He was, in so many ways, part of the modernising of Ireland. Part of the modernising of Ireland, he was probably, he was one of the great forces in the, in the growing up, I think, of uh, of our country. And over the 30-odd years that I'm with RTE, we would have had numerous encounters over the years. Most of them very short, but I always found them encouraging. And he always spoke to me in a cock accent. Hello, young John Creedon, how are you? But, um, <laughs> he, he, but he, he, he was, as you said, a great lover of comedy. That's only come out really the last 24 hours. But he did. You mentioned the Lenny Henrys and the Spike Milligans. I remember uh, being a, a kind of a, a much lower league comedian as Terence on the Jerry Ryan show. Yeah. Someone tweeted me a video last night of... Uh, Myself with Gayburn and Jerry Ryan, two legends who are no longer with us, soup and silence. But um, he, he, like, he did love comedy. He loved a joke. And I remember one of the first, in, well, I won't say encounters, but I, I would have popped up on his radio show and on his TV show on a number of occasions over the years. And it was always very businesslike, and it was done, and it was it, and quick drink in the green room and gone. Uh, but um, I do remember on one occasion, it must have been Ash Wednesday or first of April or something, but there was something in the news about cigarettes and about quitting the fags. It was some other campaign that was launched back in the late 80s and I was a new boy in there, but I was known for messing and for a bit of comedy and so on. And the producer said to me, would you do a prank call with Gay Byrne? Um, I said, like, when? Like, like in about half an hour. I said, half an hour? I said, you, you have to write a script. You've got to come up with the idea. Look, just, Andy, would you, would you do it? I said, Christ, okay, so I will. I will. Um, so phone me in 25 minutes and I'll be ready. Sure, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Except Gay Byrne came on the phone and said, um, Right, um, as you'll appreciate, everybody is giving out about the demon weed, how to kick it. We have a dissenting voice. This man, I think I gave my name as Ashburn or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on the line from County Mead. And uh, so, what do you have to say for yourself, sir? And I was there. Um, <laughs> And I went on with this for no, hardly 15 minutes, but I'd say six minutes straight. And he was getting quite pernickety as he could. He's like, okay, get it all up. Very good, very good. Okay, okay. Right, your point. I'm just waiting to see. <laughs> uh, 90 years of this. Give me one minute half. <laughs> and uh, he got quite annoyed <laughs> And he... Uh, he kept it up. Okay, very good point taken. Thank you very much. I can see um, it's done you no harm at all. We'll take a break or whatever. But it was about three days later, I was crossing the campus and I saw him on the far side. He said, it was you. Ah, <laughs> and, yeah, no, he, obviously he twigged. He was saying, is that guy for real? You know, and he was told, no, it's not. It's John Creed from next door. But anyway. Um, but so his he, own comedy timing. I mean, there's that famous... A uh, piece that gets played every single Christmas. The Christmas, mm-hmm. the making of the Christmas cake with a bottle of whiskey. Yeah. The Gay Byrne one. Brilliant. And the comic yeah, timing in that is incredible. Yeah, I suppose he comes from an era when presentation was a skill on its own. Apart from what it is you were delivering or apart from how brilliant the material was or whether how grave the news was. It was about enunciation mm-hmm. and it was about pronunciation, the pause. 
allowing the other person to speak, which I've never been good at. But anyway, um, <laughs> so 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 he was actually a beautiful presenter first and foremost, and then there was that intellect and that sense of humour. And funny, you know, about the comedy, I, I, as you're talking there, I'm thinking to myself, secretly he probably wanted to be um, a comic. I remember reading in his, in fact, I spoke to him about this at the Gay Theatre. I can visualise it perfectly. You would always run into. Uh, Gay and Kathleen Watkins together. And, you know, they say behind every great man is a great woman. Mm. Behind every great woman is a great man. And they were a perfect match. And she, they, they were just such a team, always together, right through um, his illness. But I remember one night in the gate many years ago, having read the the, the autobiography, the biography, um, I think it was uh, Deirdre Purcell. Deirdre Purcell, yeah. I think. yeah. Yeah, but he, but he said something in it about... Mm, my only regret, if I have any, is that I never specialised. I, I was always interviewing the comedians and I was always brushing against news, but not actually doing hard news. I never did current affairs or prime time or um, tried my hand at being um, an actor. I did a bit of all of it, but I never. I'm a jack of all trades and a master of none. So we were chatting and I said, Gabe, you don't mind me saying it. I said, I read your and I was thinking about what you said about never being a master of any of these these professions. I said, I think you've missed the point. I said, I think you're a ringmaster. Yeah. You're the best ringmaster on the planet. He you're could, he could do it all. Crack the whip. You can keep the comedian going. You can play the straight guy to the comedian. You can throw a hard question in a layperson's terms to um, to uh, P. Flynn or whoever. And so in, in so many ways, that actually is a speciality. Mm. But I saw him listening and going, hmm. Interesting, mm. <laughs> but but um, so I think we we really we've had a couple of our listeners uh, remembering the late late show that came from the Opera House in Cork. I heard you talking quite about that a special. That was quite a special one. It was, in fact, totally separately. A few days back, um, I I don't know where I saw it again. It might have been Twitter or something or online. I saw. Uh, oh yeah, someone sent it to me. A fabulous clip of Paddy Comerford's piece on that, and it was so funny. And again, I can see why Gay would have loved that. He mm. would have loved that. And funny thing, again, this is just an opinion from a colleague rather than a close friend or anything like that. He had a very specific connection like with working class, anglicised Dublin. And um, so sometimes when we look at the wheeze that is Irish society, I think a lot of us living in this part of the world, we kind of see it as being a Gaelic country where there's a graph for the Irish language and sure, we all want to be free and independent and everything else. There was a part of the country called the Pale that was quite anglicised, yeah. brother, brothers and sisters fighting in the British Army, where you had a sister in the post office, and really, the Brits had been here for hundreds of years, and isn't it grand when you stop? And so there would have been a view, um, quite an anti-Republican view amongst a lot of working class, which is kind of strange for us, because your, your average poor farmer... The, the working classes of Cork and Tralee, most of them would have had Republican leanings or certainly Gaelic leanings, whereas there was a whole swathe of those red brick terraces in Dublin that were quite mm. anglicised. Mm. And Gay's Gay, draw, I think, was always to, to London, to Britain, to the BBC. Well, we, but we were, we were lucky that we didn't lose him oh, to, to the United Kingdom or even to America, as, as he once thought about. Absolutely, because... He was, he, he really was the vanguard of change in this country. I mean, with change have come some disappointments, I understand. But this was a drab country. Bob Geldof sang about police and priests and about a drab, wet, duffel coat kind of country. And it was, it was. 
not, not every we, we've lost some great things there's no doubt about that folklore is my great craw I wish I was living back in the old days with my mom and dad and they were all alive And but but the, but the truth is this was a very conservative country um, as you know some of the bishops uh, we did a very very big stick and Gayborn was very stubborn and he wasn't actually peddling his own agenda because he could swap sides in a moment. I'll give you a great example. Actually, that probably underlines the point I was making about the about, about the red brick terrace houses of, of Dublin, where there was no graph for the Irish language and where anything west of or south of Newlands Cross was regarded as being a bit Irish, don't you know, kind of thing. Um, he, um, like he wore the poppy. And he was under serious threat at the time when he wore the poppy. He wore it in his family's memory because he had... He had lost uncles. Yeah, yeah. Or his uncle, yeah, had been in the, um, in the Great War. And um, he defiantly wore the poppy. Not in a kind of uh, an anti-Gaelic society, but, it, but by, by way of saying, this too is part of our tradition, whether you like it or not. And he stood his ground. And equally, he had no time ever for the IRA. Um, but shall we remember yeah, the, the gay burn, the, the lifting of the ban when Sinn Féin were allowed on the Irish airways and yeah. we had the famous Jerry Adams interview on the Late Late Show and Gay yeah. Byrne refused to shake his hand. But you, you, know, you know the truth behind that? He was ordered not to shake his hand and he was actually very, very annoyed about that. That, that, that was a decision wow. made on top. That was a decision made on top. Whatever else you do, you may you may have to you may interview this man, but you, you are don't not shake to hands. Be seen to well, be and that would explain stopping. why why he stood as he walked in as well. Do you remember he was away, so it wasn't so awkward looking. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so I mean, he was a man of principle, and he was quite happy to well, stand up against his own. Well, well, I, I mentioned know. earlier. I mean, to me, one of the times when he got it wrong was the Annie Murphy uh, interview and the hostility yeah. towards Annie Murphy. But I found out afterwards he apologised to Annie, Mur- Annie Murphy that same night when he realised he handled yeah. that interview completely wrong, and uh, that was the mark of the man that he was able to see. I, I, I did wrong here. Yeah, I suppose. Um, he, yeah, I, I think his judgment, he may have jumped the gun a fraction there. He assumed, you know, here's somebody with a story. Um, I must take the other side of the yeah. story. And, and Eamon so- Casey was his friend. And, 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 that, and there's course. something noble about backing up your friend uh, as well. And people are talking about uh, Gay Byrne when he did the Rose of Tralee. That was another. Uh, he was yeah. he was fantastic at that. He could do yeah. a live stage show like that totally in his ease. Well, you're back to good old-fashioned presentation skills yeah. again. And I mean, he had his very well honed. You know, I, I read the last time I met Gable was about, um, I suppose, four months ago, five months ago, something like that. And, oh no, maybe it's a bit more, about six months ago. I think it might have been last March or something like that. But um, I went to Dublin for a reception um, to celebrate uh, John McCulgan and Tyrone Productions. And I'd worked quite a bit with them over the years on the All-Ireland Talent Show and things like that. So I went up anyway to... Uh, to clink glasses with them and wish them the best. And um, so when I came into the room, usually, you know, you scan a room and you say, oh, there's Tommy and oh, there's Mary. Oh, geez, there's a man I worked with years ago or there's somebody else. But as soon as uh, Maraden myself walked in, I saw someone waving frantically at me and she calling me over and I realised, oh, geez, that's Kathleen Watkins. Why is she calling me? Even though, as I said, we would have worked together. And Kathleen is such a lady at a time like this, it's so important to remember. Yeah. She is just such a beautiful person. She carries herself beautifully. I worked with her. I presented live at three for a season pretty much with her. And I remember the first time we met, she said, you have little girls, don't you? And I said, yeah, I said, I have four girls. And how old are they? So I told her they're from 12 down to three or whatever. 
and are they readers? And I said, well, they're encouraged. I said, Nancy is a great girl for the books. I said, uh, but mixed mixed results. But with no further ado, on the Friday she came in with about four plastic bags bulging with uh, with free books that she had been sent to review, children's books. Yeah. And I thought, one, one, how thrifty to keep them and to put it to good use. Yeah. And secondly, how thoughtful to write them in the yeah. car. That, you know, that's, this is, that sums up, uh, sums up Kathleen, uh, who anyway, obviously I'm, I'm we think of. Called me over now, so I, I went over and Gay was there. And I have to say, he was looking very poorly. He was literally out of hospital. He had just finished another course of treatment, and at first I didn't really recognise him. He just looked very frail, and his eyes were watering, and he was uh, sitting there. Hello, hello, you know, hello, Sonny. That's a huge good thing. And uh, so I said, "How are things?" And she said, "I'm delighted I saw you." She said. Gay and myself have been talking about writing to you for the last few weeks and we just haven't done it. And I said, what's that? She said, we've been talking. Haven't we, Gay? Oh, yes, yes, yes. We were going to write to you. We're going to write to you. And uh, I said, what's this about? Your travel show. We love your travels around Ireland. Uh... And he said, oh, I love the old books and everything else. And I said, hold on a second here. I said, I come from a place where you're meant to write to Gay Bourne, not Gay Bourne, write to you. Mm. <laughs> and... Uh, so I was absolutely chuffed, but I said it to him before I turned away. I said, you know, I said, God rest her. I said, if my mom was alive and she heard you praise me like that, she would absolutely be knocked over with a feather. I said, her heart would I, burst with pride. Oh, well, you know yeah. something? I walked away with a lump in my throat. Ah, well done. Was, well I, knew, done. I knew how well he was, but, but it was also, literally, it was a benediction. It was, it was a blessing from the master. So while, like the rest of us, he had his flaws and everything else. He, we, we will never see his likes again. I don't All think right. media will. And will, you were, I know, it. I know, you were in uh, Dublin. Did you go out to Donnybrook yesterday? Were you, were you in? Just, Do- that's just, that's just a very strange coincidence. Now I knew he was poorly and all that, but I was recording in the radio centre yesterday. And funny enough, I was actually in his old studio. But then I was walking past the door about ten minutes later, and um, somebody brushed past me in a hurry, and I said, "Oh, hi, how are you doing?" It was someone I hadn't seen for a while, and I got a kind of a gruff answer. I wasn't quite sure. What she said, and I said, Jesus. And the young woman I was with said to me, Did you hear what she said? And I said, Yeah, did she say something's down? Is it the radio man is down? Is the technical problem? No, she said, Gay Barn has died. I'm at all. Right, right. So I have to say, on the, on the way back in the car from Dublin yesterday, um, I downloaded, uh, or not downloaded, I'm a bit of a technophobe, but on Bluetooth, I managed to get up his old show on Lyric FM. Ah. And just, just listening to playing jazz, so I had his company on the See, so you, came, you came home with Gay, listening to jazz. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, and you know, well he, he did his country some service, I have to say. You know, he annoyed people, he annoyed me times as well, but he just, ah, um, oh, man, on, as I said, on, on the, the kitchen sink windows of houses throughout Ireland, he brought in opportunity, he brought in hope. There were people who were gay who didn't realise there was anybody else in the village who was. There were, you know, there were people who were in bad domestic situations. There were men who were shy to talk about their issues and he he growed us up he really did in a lot of ways you know? I did listen uh, you've you've put it really well uh, John thank you for that yeah. and a pleasure as always thanks a million God bless Stop. take care bye bye the wonderful uh, John Creedon uh, and in Newmarket Gay Burns' death yesterday marks the end of quite an amazing era in Irish broadcasting and what an era it has been I happened to be in the audience says Andy for a late late show in 1985 and he was the consummate broadcaster may this great man rest in peace says Andy in Newmarket and Eileen in Newmarket says I remember once Gay Burns saying when we make plans, 
God Smiles. R.I.P. Gay. Martina O'Donoghue. Make C103 part of your drive home. With up-to-date traffic information and local news, your input in selecting our feel-good song of the day, plus our feel-good story, and as many of Cork's greatest hits that we can fit into three hours. Join me, Martina O'Donoghue, every weekday from 4 to 7. C103. We continue to remember the much-loved figure, Gay Byrne, who changed Ireland for the better in so many ways, and we've invited uh, much to loved author Alice Taylor to join us on the programme with her memories of Gay Byrne. Good morning to you, Alice. Good morning, Patricia. And I have to say, I, it's because of Gay Byrne that I got introduced to you. The first time I saw you was on The Late Late Show, which would have been following the release of To School oh. Through the Fields, your, your first book. Yeah. Take me back to how that all came about. Yeah, well, it was an amazing, I suppose, really, Patricia. You said he changed Ireland. Patricia, he changed my life. You know, with, with that interview, when I sent my first book to school to the field, and that's 32 years ago wow. next May, and um, Steve McDonough, who ran Bandon Books at the time, had said to me, how do you feel about publicity? No, Patricia, I knew nothing about publicity. And I kind of thought, well, the Cotman and the Kerryman and the Southern Star, and that's, I, I'd managed them, like. And then he mentioned the late, late. And at that time, should the whole country listen to the late, late? Yeah. I was terrified, and I thought, yeah, that won't happen at all. And um, so he he said, well, publishers send different their manuscripts to the to the late late, and they you know they hope for the best. And then about two weeks after, he rang me to say that Bridget Rain from the late late was coming down to to you know to research the book. Okay. Well, Patricia, I was scared. <laughs> no, she came down to Inishannon. She came down to Inishannon. That okay. was the time. That was the, t- the time. That was the days when they put all that work into research. Now, Bridget Rain was Gay's head researcher at the time for the late late. Okay. She was from Mayo. God, she was a grand girl. She was a grand girl. So anyway, she spent the day here with me. And uh, anyway, she came on the train and gave her when she and brought her out. So we sat down and we discussed the school to the fees. And I said to Bridget, I said, sure, Gay want a bit clue about this. I mean, I said, sure, he's a job. And when I went up, Gay said to me, I heard what you said, of course, she, rec- she was recording. <laughs> and and, and uh, he said, I know all about that. He said, when I grew up in Dublin, he said, we were looking at green fields. Yeah, that's he, true. It's yeah. 80, I mean, you know, he was 85, so it was a different era. It was a different era. Yeah. He, said, he said, Dublin has changed. He said, every place has changed. And um, so anyway, that was grand. Bridget went back to Dublin and I thought, she I was living terror of the late late. And the next thing, the book didn't come out in time. The late late went off the air, you see, and the book wouldn't out until me and the late late was gone. So I was switched to the morning show. Okay. So that was easier for so you. I, yes, I, I, I kind of thought, well, God, that's grand. They've been all looking at me anyway. <laughs> and um, so RT said, would I go up and stay above the night before? And I said, no, no, I kind of feel I'd be more myself if I could come from home that in the morning, which was stupid, really. Which it was a nine o'clock show in the morning. Sure, it was, you see. And, it's, it's, and no motorways. And no motorway. And we'd, and we'd get, but I, I, you see, I, I suppose I was a bit clueless, but I kind of felt if I slept in my own bed, I'd be more myself. <laughs> Did you ever hear such rubbish? But anyway, <laughs> we got up in the morning anyway, and I remember my daughter was about eight at the time, and she called me, and she she came in, and into the, because she was in the bedroom next door, and she said, ma'am, get, wake up. And I said, God, I said, would you ever say a prayer, Lynn, that I'll be all right? 
And the Lord Chief said to me, Mildred Ann Butler, my, my, to school to the fields, the cover of the book was Mildred Ann Butler's yeah. painting yeah. of the threshing. She said to me, Mildred Ann Butler will look after you. Ah. <laughs> and this one was it. So anyway, we went out and we sat into the car and the car wouldn't start. And good God. So anyway, our lads were teenagers at the time and we switched into one of their cars. You know, one of these souped up models with, with, with flying ears and it. Kind of a boy racer yeah, car. and oh, I didn't trust it. But anyway, we set off for Dublin. And at the time, I just started to do yoga. And I thought, I'll do yoga in my mind, out of care in my mind. Because I felt I can't go on, get, get bored or flustered. Um, halfway up to Dublin, I had Gabriel saying, oh my God. And I said, what's wrong? He, said, he pointed at the petrol gauge. We were running out of petrol. <laughs> Jeepers, creepers talk about. My blood pressure went out to the top of my head. And um, so, of course, every petrol station was closed. I mean, this was the small hours of the morning. And um, so we came to guard the barracks and we stopped. And he said, keep going. He said, a couple of miles around, there's a petrol station open. And I thought, oh, I was praying that we would run out of petrol. So we weren't. So anyway, finally, we got into Dublin. No, I didn't know anything. I knew, I, I mean, I was a co-pilot, but I'm hopeless on directions. And I was supposed to navigate as far as RT. And I remember Patricia driving up by the, the, the canal and seeing the water hens and saying, God, I wish I was a water hen in the canal. And we got to this place anyway with the high tourist stuff and I thought God I hope it isn't a, a telephone exchange or something and we went in the gate and you know the little cabin they have in RT and uh, your man put his head out there. I said is this RT and he said where do you think it is <laughs> so anyway we got to the end of the steps and um, I flew up the steps because I was just in time and I sat down in the chair in reception and the researcher came in, Trotton Bridget, it was, it was uh, Lorenza Harris. She was on the morning show and um, she said, OK, uh, you're OK, you're not on for another few minutes. And then the next week she came flying in. She said, come on, come on, you're on, there's a change of plan. And I ran down the corridor and plonked myself in front of Gay. I had time to be nervous, <laughs> Patricia, because I was just bad. And he was super and that was the first radio that interview. The first and then they got such a reaction to that. Yeah, because people, that they brought you back for the late late in the, right. in the season the following year. Wasn't that, that what happened? That, that's the same year like I was on the late late. And I remember the, the night of the late late day, he was very perceptive. And he, must have, he said to the producer, turn off all the lights in the studio. And it was only afterwards. I think he thought this, 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 uh, this, um, <laughs> so what you got this kind of um, woman up from the country will be scared which is inside this big studio he lowered the lights and um, it was I mean he was so tuned into everything and uh, he was an amazing and, and uh, what I remember what I remember being at home in Clonmel with my late mother and you appeared out on, onto the screen and of course as I mentioned earlier in those days Gabor never said in advance who was coming on so you never knew yeah. so kind of we went to an ad break and next on comes Alice Taylor from Inishannon and you start telling your story and I remember being utterly captivated and it's the one and only time I went out the next day and I bought your book <laughs> I bought it immediately and I remember myself and my mother and we read the book and it was just glorious uh, to read this book and you, you there was a gorgeous chemistry Gay Byrne got you if, he, if you know he what I mean got he got the you story right away yeah and he had a nose for something I mean in a way like I was an unknown person totally unheard of the book was a story you know, a story, in a way, Patricia, it was a story everyone knew. 
And but when they heard it, I mean, one woman said to me, she said, sure, I could have written that myself only. I hadn't time. <laughs> yeah, but you didn't. <laughs> you didn't. <laughs> but he took he took that chance because... He did. He, yeah. And, it was, and you were on then many more times after I was, that. Yeah. He always, he was very, I, I count him, he's so kind. And um, When did you last meet him? I, the last time I met him was out in the Inchidani Hotel when himself and Kathleen came around. Do you remember they did they they did um, shows and yeah they, they in conversation with yeah, yeah yeah and himself he was fine that was before he got sick he was fine that time yeah, yeah. and um, he he you know he was always he'd always inquire about things he had an amazing memory and when when um, O'Brien Press brought out to school for the fees which was twenty five years. Um, uh, down the road like they brought it out in hardback and illustrated and I wrote an introduction and in it I acknowledged like how wonderful Gay had been to me Brilliant. and so I, I posted him a copy and I didn't expect to hear from him because I mean he's such a busy life and um, it was months afterwards I got a letter with a big apology he's, I posted it RT and he said um, Oh, he said, I apologise for not acknowledging your book. He said, it was stuck in the bowels of our tea for months, he said. <laughs> and someone put it aside and then they found it and they posted on to him. And, um, you know, he, there was that kind of, he never lost his kind of n- normality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, he was a big star, but he wasn't in his own perception. And, you know, Patricia, one thing I learned from Dearborn, which was amazing. You know, if you're talking to somebody and you know them well, and then somebody comes on and you know you need to introduce the person coming on, and all of a sudden your mind goes blank and you can't remember the name of the person. Yeah. And you think, Mother God, Gay Borden always came on and said, I'm Gay Borden. No, there was no oh, need for Oh, that's clever. Wasn't yeah, that clever? That's clever. He just. In, to, to, avoid, to avoid embarrassing people. That's well no, there was no need well for done. him to say it because no, everyone no, that was good. What that a was nice good. thing to do. All right, listen, as always, it was great uh, chatting with you. And actually, just as an aside, um, I was only th- thinking of you yesterday before the news even broke because the last time we were speaking was a couple of weeks ago with your new book, As Time Goes By. Yeah. Uh, and the reason that you put that book together was because of the wonderful Captain's Log journal that you received. That's right. Lo and behold, in the post yesterday from a lovely gentleman called Kieran Butler, I get a little note saying, just thought you might like a copy of my Captain's Log journal, which Alice Taylor referred to in her new book. And And he sent me on a copy, so I have my own. Did you love it? I absolutely adore it's it, and I can't. Beautiful. And I'm going to. I'm going to do the six months. I'm going to start do it in January. And, can't and wait. You love it. Patricia. Can't wait. We'll talk on Christmas Eve, please, yeah. God. Okay, you mind Patricia. yourself. And thank you. Thanks a million. Bye bye. Bye bye. The wonderful, wonderful uh, Alice Taylor. Uh, Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. We're going to take a break. We have news at twelve midday on the way. We will continue to remember uh, Gay Byrne on the program, and I can see more of your calls and comments coming in, and we'll get to those. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Cork's greatest hits. C103. No matter what they tell us 
Another musical link to Gay Byrne that of course the boys own no matter what the group when he first heard them on the Late Late Show you can't sing you don't play instruments you can't dance you look good you'll go far and by God how right he was. Now by the way here at C103 we're celebrating you this month that's why we're giving you the chance to win €500 Euro right now over on our Instagram page. To enter into the draw all you have to do is follow C103 on Instagram Share your post in your stories, tag your friends and don't forget to use the hashtag me time, hashtag me time. If you haven't already followed us on our C103 Instagram page, your chance this month to win €500. Good luck with that. A texter says, morning Trish, Uh, it's by WhatsApp. I was watching the television last night on RTE, the Joe Duffy programme about the children who were killed during the Troubles and Joe Duffy was doing all the research into it. I'm a young man and I only remember the bombings of the 90s. Why didn't Jack Lynch and the government of the day do anything for those people back in the 70s? All the way up, it was worse than the Vietnam War. Haven't watched that programme, actually. I have it recorded to watch, but I will uh, watch it. It sounds like it was a powerful, powerful piece of TV. Thank you for sharing that uh, with us. Back to Gay Byrne and people's memories of Gay Byrne. Sharon in Croom says, I remember about 20 to 23 years ago, I was in primary school. Gay Byrne presented a Christmas carol service live in St. Patrick's Cathedral in Skibbereen. I was delighted to be a member of the school choir that day and to experience it all. I remember him being very serious and meticulous in his preparation. Just as the service was about to go live, a local female, well-known character in the town of Skibbereen, could be heard thundering up the stairs to the gallery and shouting, Is Gay here? Is Gay here? Has it started? Well, if looks could kill, says Sharon, he gave her a look from the corner of his eye. <laughs> I wonder how many people remember that uh, story. And you are, anyone who's ever worked with him talks about him being so meticulous and, and in his preparation. And I heard Joe Duffy talk about when Joe worked on the show with him, you know, Gabe Byrne locked himself away in a room with all of the newspapers in the morning and the production team. And he would have a big production team behind him would be coming in and out and giving him things, you know, to, to check and whatever. And there was very little chit chat. It was just a nod. And, mm, yeah, fine. And on he moved and on, and on he went. And, but just meticulous, absolutely meticulous in his preparation. So that does not surprise me to hear even at an event like that, a Christmas Carol service live since about his cathedral in Skibbereen. I wonder how many people were at that and do they remember it? And Carol has a wonderful memory that I don't remember, but see if others do. This would have been on the Gay Burn radio programme, the one that was on at nine o'clock in the morning. Carol says, she wonders, do other people remember this? If somebody broke a cup out of a set, they could contact Gay on the programme and describe the cup. Now, whether we sent a photograph of another cup or what, and then Gay Byrne, because this was the time when we we wouldn't be able, Gay wouldn't be able to say, I'll share that on our Facebook page, you'll be able to have a look at it. You'd have to describe it. So you'd break a cup out of your your tea set and you'd contact Gabo to say, God, I'm after breaking one of the cups. And then he'd call it out on the radio. And if somebody else from around the country had an odd cup that matched your set, 
they'd hook the people up with each other or somebody would send it on and then Gay's team would would send it on down. Does anybody else remember that? It has, there's no memory at all. I have no memory of that, but perhaps others do. Him helping to match up. And in those days, it would have been, I suppose, a much-loved... Remember the China tea sets that were in the house that only came out when the visitors arrived and some pot households might have taken it out every Sunday but I know in our house it only came out when the visitors the very good set and if one of the cups got broken oh God and it would never be the same unless you had the six so I could see why they did what they did but does anybody remember that particular slot I do remember he used to have was it called the GB fund where people would send in money people who were kind and generous and might have had an extra few bob or might have had a win and they'd send it into gay because he'd know a good cause and he'd know you know somebody who'd need a few bob. So he had the GB fund that was used at his discretion as to how it would be spent. And I I do remember a woman contacted him who had had a bottle of Chanel perfume and it was her one and only ever bottle of Chanel perfume. I don't know whether she saved for it herself or she got it as a present, but one of her smallies got the bottle of Chanel and poured it down the toilet. And she walked into the toilet just as the child was emptying the last of the Chanel down the toilet. And Gay Byrne read out that letter and out of the GB fund said, I'll buy you another bottle of Chanel. And there was war over it. People were given out saying that wasn't what the GB fund was for and that's not a hard luck case and that woman should have been watching what her child was doing. So in the end, because they got so many letters of complaint, I can clearly remember Gay Byrne coming back on and saying, OK, tell you what I do. I'll pay for it out of my own money. And he did. And he bought the woman the bottle of Chanel instead, instead rather than take it out of the GP, GB fund. 1850-333-103. Now, our own Nick Richards went out on the streets of the city centre yesterday evening when the news started to break that we had lost Gaybar. And here's what some of the good people of Cork had to say about Gaybo. An absolute icon, incredible man, that he changed society. I felt he reached out to people, incredible men. The men should get the freedom of Ireland, actually, in my view. Great broadcaster and uh, did a big job with the Late Late Show in its original form. And uh, uh, I'm sorry that he's finally left us. Uh, yeah. He was a good guy and, he, and a great wife, too. I just remember as a kid being off school sick um, sometimes and just it was really fun to kind of listen to Gabriel and my mum would always have it on the radio in the mornings and he was just this voice that was always there. He was just part of everybody's lives kind of going up. And I think he also, um, I think he really contributed greatly to Ireland because he um, he kind of pushed the boundaries and so he was a real man ahead of his time, you know. Um, so I think he, he, did, he did a lot of good service to the state and he'll be really missed, um, even though he hasn't been on TV much or radio in the last number of years. I think he was still really important to a lot of us who are over a certain age, you know. <laughs> oh, just that it was very synonymous with a Friday night, just sitting in, watching the Late Late Show. That was a real highlight, even as kids, you know, the, the toy show. All we can say is he classed him as president. He, he had that kind of... The Late Late Show was late was Gayborn, wasn't it? And it was never replaced him. He was natural. Roll it there. Roll it, collect. <laughs> when, when, when you're coming from work, we rushing home to see... Is he at what time he was on that? And that time we couldn't record it because we had no. So we we rushed home, but we really enjoyed to sit down and have a bit of food and all that. It's very good. I seen you lately, showing myself in the top rows. Gabe Bond was the kid, you know. They were all good, like, but he was he, he was special. I say everybody enjoyed him. God bless him, and I hope he's happy. Well, I was saddened by it because I think he was um, he's a great loss to journalism. He really epitomised all that was good. 
about that as the fourth pillar of democracy, I felt, because he held the church and institutions of the state up to question at a time when they needed to be questioned. And he did this um, in the guise of a weekly entertainment programme, pretty much, the, the, the late, late. Um, and I think he was, he was a very personable man. He felt like everybody's friend. <laughs> well said, well said. That uh, is the fourth pillar of democracy. I think he'd have been chuffed to have heard that. And uh, Mag said, I loved Gabor. He was so interested in everyone and he had a great personality. Lots of great memories in particular, the Dubliners and the Pogues on the Late Late Show and Joe Dolan, the list, oh God, I've forgotten Joe Dolan on the Late Late, the list is endless. R.I.P. Gay, says Mags, who also watched that programme last night with Joe Duffy about the children who died during the Troubles. And Mag says it was a very sad, sad programme with Joe Duffy last night. I hope monuments will be erected north and south of the border. 186 children in total died north and south from the bombs in Dublin, the United Kingdom, etc. It was all so sad to listen to the families and stories of missing, of how they've missed their children. Innocent lives lost. And it was just innocent children in all of this. They do deserve to be remembered, yeah. And that's why I think a programme like that is so important. And again, it will raise the narrative. It'll get people talking. And who knows, maybe out of a programme like that, Memorials will be erected, you know, least we ever forget what happened in those dark, dark time of the troubles in this country and how innocent children, in absolutely innocent children and how their lives were taken. 1850 John Paul taking your calls, text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. The grand draw for Ballyhay Community Hall will be held in the Corbett Court on Friday the 15th of November, 8 o'clock start. Tickets at €10 Euro on sale. Great prizes. It's sponsored by the Charleville Park Hire, Charleville Plant Hire and Husqvarna. The Irish Blood Transfusion Service Board Donor Clinic in the Fernhill House Hotel in Clonakilty today, 3 to 5 this afternoon and 7 to 9 uh, tonight. And an information meeting will be held in the West Lodge Hotel in Bantry at quarter to 8 tonight. Topics to be covered include crime prevention and winter safety. Guests on the night include Gardaí, Fire Service, West Cork Coastal Watch members, uh, plus IFA Health and Safety Executives all are very welcome to come along. And the Mallow Arch Club, they've rescheduled their demonstration with artist Jack Cornhouse for thurs- this Thursday, the 7th of November at half past seven in the Mercy Centre. Jack will do a mixed media picture of a figure in a landscape and all are very welcome and if social dancing is your thing then get your dancing shoes on this Thursday night and head to the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow music by Declan Anger from half past nine with dance classes Here's a cool fact A crocodile can't stick out its tongue Another cool fact You can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. From half past eight, admission 10 euro and teas and coffees will be served. Joining me with his memories of Gay Byrne is Manus O'Callaghan, who established and organises the hugely successful Cork Person of the Year Awards. Good afternoon to you, Manus. Good afternoon, Patricia. How are you? I'm very, I'm very good. And you good have a very clear mem- memory of Gay Byrne. I do indeed. I, 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 I work for him. I mean, I was a huge fan of Gay Byrne. I, I used to bore people talking about him. <laughs> and I got to know him over the years. Because, as you mentioned, one of the first of the year awards, he, he emceed that one year. And I also knew him. I worked with him on a national song contest one year. And then when I worked with Brian Crowley, the MEP, Brian was on the Late H a number of times. So I got to know him over those years. Uh, and uh, he, he was special. Tell me the story of the, the your the group that you were with that did the one-act plays? Oh, indeed. <laughs> Tony Fitzpatrick, my good friend from Butterfin, <clears throat> we went to school together in the academy in Mallow, and Tony was a, a great ambition to be a broadcaster, and uh, we started off doing little one-act plays, and um, I used, Tony was the actor, and I used to write the scripts and all that. So Tony then developed an act, the one-man act, where he did impersonations of personalities, international personalities and RT uh, television personalities. So Tony said, wouldn't it be great to get on the Late Date Show? So I said, not a chance. So anyway, he said, let's try. So he and I, for a week, started composing a letter to Gay Byrne to try and get Tony on the show. And strangely enough, it worked. We're talking now about the late 60s at this time. The, the show would only be on about eight or nine years, I suppose. I think it was a 62. It 62 started. it started, yeah. Yeah, it yeah. yeah. so was the late 60s. Anyways, uh, strange. we got, a, Tony got a call for an audition with the great man himself. So he went up to Dublin. He met him in his office in Dublin. And he did his little act impersonating. In front like, of Gay Byrne. In front of Gay Byrne <laughs> in his private office. And um, the imperson- he impersonated people like Brian Farrell and Mihalny Morhartig uh, and Jimmy Savile and, and Gay himself as well. So when Gay said, yeah, I like it, I like it, you're on. And Tony nearly hit the roof, of course, and he said, cheekily, he said to Gay, that's fantastic. Now, how will you introduce me when you're introducing me onto the set, onto the chair next to you? How will you introduce me? And Gay said, oh, 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 hold everything, hold everything. You're not going to be a full-blown guest, Tony. You're going to be sitting in the audience. <laughs> so Tony said, uh, um, explain. And Gay said, no, no. He said, I'll be walking amongst the audience, talking to people. I'll come across you and I'll say to you, I heard you do impersonations and you'll stand up and you'll do them. And 
Tony was a little disappointed, but not too disappointed because he was still on the late late show. <laughs> and is that it? You and you remember seeing Tony that night? Well, I, I went to Dublin with him, but oh, did you? enough, I, I forgot to ask for a ticket to go on, go on <laughs> the audience myself. I, I, I stayed in, I think it was in some hotel in Dublin. I watched I watched the show on uh, on the screen. Yeah. But Tony himself went out and he told me afterwards that as he walked up the avenue up to the front door of RT Studios, he said the rosary. <laughs> <laughs> but it worked and, and he got his moment of glory. He got his moment of glory. He was a, a, Tony was a huge fan, still is a huge fan of Gable, and uh, he it was his he he he's dined out with ever since, and quite right too. It yeah, but it also there. it also sums up the professionalism of Gay Byrne and how nothing was left, well, very little was left to chance. You know, well, he made sure that he got to see Tony first. Is this guy any good? Okay, yeah. this guy is good. Then we'll bring him. He wasn't going to take any chance unless he no met chances. him. And after the show was over, Tony went upstairs back to Gay's private office and Gay was paying the artist. So Tony stood before Gabo oh. and Gabo, in a bit of <clears throat> sort of in a bit of fun, said, Fiver for you, fiver for me, tenner for you, tenner for me, twenty for you for making a fool of me, twenty for mm-hmm. just did a bit of well, I, I can't remember what the, what he got actually money wise, but he just paid out that way. But isn't it amazing? The guy he produces the show, he, he presents it. Then an hour later, he's upstairs in his office paying the artist. I mean, a different it's, it's era. Like the town hall in Malif. Yeah, it's a, it's a different, a different era. It's interesting it's that I have you on today because mm. so many listeners are saying there's this outpouring of love and affection for Gay Byrne and people are yes. saying he should be remembered in some way. There should be some kind of an honours list that Gay yes. Byrne's name should be placed on where he could be recognised by the entire country. Yes. And that's like you do that in, in, I, in a small, in a, in, in, it's mm. not in a small scale, but you yeah, do that yeah. here, here in Cork. I do is, that there in Cork need, is there yeah. a need? Do you believe there there's a need, need for a state honour system? I, I, uh, Patricia, I've been singing that song for some years. I think we should have a national award scheme in Ireland like they have in all other countries. Uh, we leave it up to France and leave it up to England to honour people like and the Bob Geldof and the John Humes over the years. Why have we our own state-backed national award scheme? We should have it because it promotes our people abroad and otherwise we're giving, we're leaving, we're giving the marketing opportunity to the other countries to do it. It's a disgrace, really. I think the reason I got years ago from the politicians was that we are a republic and it's egalitarian, everyone is equal, we don't like awards. But I mean, France is a republic as well, and they have a very famous award scheme. Yeah. So we're missing out on that. I mean, and what would you do? A little bit like when they do the Queen's Honours list at the start yes. of the year, we announce who's yes. going to be recognised for that year, yes. and then have a bit of a celebration. Yeah, I think we. Yeah. I think in fairness, we'd have to have an independent panel, not the politicians. Yeah. Uh, uh, picking people, but we, the, the, it would be government back, but then have an independent panel of people that select people from different sectors. And as you say, and it would have a very Irish name, of course. It wouldn't be, you know, whatever, Audra or something. I'm not quite sure about that. Yeah. But anyway, it would be a national award scheme, and we haven't that. We haven't. We haven't that as we speak. And we should have it, you know. And it's because it, it just it struck me that the amount of people have said today we should be, there should be some kind of an award yeah. given to I Gay Byrne and that's... Yeah, well, Gay Byrne, the universities have captured the marker a small bit. They give out honorary degrees and Gay himself got one from Trinity. He and did, he yeah. it enormously. Yeah. But that's a way of self-promoting the universities in Ireland as well. And fair dues to him. Why not? But I 
still think there should be one award scheme backed by the government, which is the premier award scheme in Ireland. Let all the other award schemes be there as well. We have many of them. We have my own one that you mentioned. We have sports ones. We have various ones. But uh, we do need one big national award scheme. And uh, I do, it, the, 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 it was recommended some years ago that we do it by... Uh, there was a citizen's forum uh, established in Ireland a few years ago. It was I remember Bertie Hearn was Taoiseach at the time. Yeah. And he backed it. But, you know, he rightly said, we need all parties backing it. We need full agreement so that there's no, you know... Uh, but, at the time, it kind of drifted away. Nothing again. ever became uh, of it. Yeah, that was the, the the office of the active citizenship was what it was called. It was it was part well, of the department of the right. of the Taoiseach. Uh, and, and it's right. and it's an awful bit because I mean your own. I mean I'm doing this program. Tw- it's actually twenty nine years this next right. week, and for as long as I've been doing this, your your award ceremony is nearly going as long, isn't it? Uh, you 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 me by two years. Well, right, twenty seven. Twenty seven. We're going 27 years. And you get and people, you you oh, you accept nominations from the general public, don't you? Yeah, I do. This is how we operate. We, we get nominations from the general public. We have a little, a little, little um, panel of uh, a jury then to pick people. And uh, actually, we, we've, we've uh, honoured a lot of people from Narcark over the years. Uh, maybe I'm a bit biased there, <laughs> coming from that, what I do myself. But, uh, and, and the other thing, Patricia, is which surprises me enormously, we don't get a lot of nominations. I think people out there feel you have to climb Mount Everest or get a cure for cancer to be nominated. Well, you Why don't. nominate the lady who is a good neighbour, yeah. the person, you know, yeah. simple things like that. Absolutely. So I, I, I the unsung heroes. Offer. The unsung heroes, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so corkpersonofthemonth.ie is where people can send nominations into. Yeah, nom- nominations, nominations at, at corkpersonofthemonth.ie. Okay. There, there is a Facebook called Cork Person of the Year and... Um, and uh, we usually, we, you see those pictures print, uh, published every month there um, in the Corkman and in the Mail Star and in the Cork Examiner. There's one coming up next Saturday. And underneath the picture, you'll find the, the, the email where you nominate someone. OK. All right. Well, listen, yeah, yeah. continue good luck. It's a, it's a great awards ceremony. And, you know, who knows? Maybe somebody somewhere is listening and we will one day get a national awards scheme. Well, I'm very, I'm very surprised, Patricia, that you haven't been nominated yet. <laughs> You're very kind. <laughs> You're very kind. Listen, Manus, we leave it there. Thank you for that. Right. And uh, for pleasure call. to talk to you. Thanks uh, for joining us. That is uh, Manus O'Callaghan, who is the founder and runs the Cork Person of the Year and his very fond memories of the late, great Gay Byrne. Okay, we're going to take a break and that's where we'll park our memories of Gay Byrne for today uh, because coming up after the break we speak with uh, Joe Heffernan. This is the Cork Today replay on C103.
Joe Heffernan uh, joins us on this Tuesday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And uh, today it's seasonal because it's the time of the year. We've got the darker evenings and it is at this time of the year. Some people will notice that their mood drops a little bit and it could be down to something called sad seasonal affective uh, disorder. And I'm assuming it's to do with the daylight hours, is it? Yeah, it's to do with, uh, like it says, um, seasonal affective disorder. It's a depression that is caused by changes in the seasons. And exactly that um, the, the, the shorter days, the longer nights, the darkness, um, that um, is what brings on uh, typically SAD symptoms like oversleeping, uh, changes in appetite, uh, maybe a craving for foods high in carbohydrates, resulting in maybe weight gain, tiredness, low energy, um, having problems, uh, as I say, with sleeping, and um, you're feeling down. Um, Is it quite common? It's pretty common. Um, uh, no, that's not to say very common, but it is. It it is relatively. Um, uh, common, and um, I, I, I mean the the causes of it are uh, the the biological clock. We'll say our our body. I I think it's referred to also as the. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing it correctly. Circadian rhythm. Yeah. Um, the reduced level of sunlight. Um. Uh can disrupt the body's internal clock and um, can lead to feelings of depression. Apparently as well from some um, research that I would have done that um, reduced sunlight can cause a drop in serotonin. Now that's a neurotransmitter, a brain chemical that affects mood. So that may also play a role in, in SAD. And also melatonin levels. The change in the season can disrupt the balance of the body's level of melatonin. And this also plays a role in sleep patterns. Yeah, and they say it's all to do with the clocks going back. It's one of the arguments that's constantly been put forward to stop the clock changes. Right. I, I didn't realise yeah, that. It is, Th- yeah. that. That's being put forward as like a one good reason yeah, to yeah, not do they're, it. They're, Fair enough. They're yeah. saying that they've proven in other countries when they stopped the clock changes that not as many people saw a drop in serotonin levels and melatonin levels and that they didn't have a, a big amount of people coming forward presenting with SAD as right. they did when the clocks went back. Yeah, so it's, I it's, suppose it makes it's a, who, who do you feel is most at risk of seasonal affective disorder? Well... well Let's look at just two things, like family history. Um, uh, uh, if if family members um, uh, suffer from SAD, then one is a more likely candidate to suffer from SAD. But the most obvious thing, I suppose, and in conjunction totally with what you just said there, Patricia, um, you know, living a long way from the equator, um, uh, living very far north, uh, as we are, or very far south of the equator, um, obviously um, you, you're going to have the, the decreased sunlight, the, the longer night, the shorter day. And, um, and this then, of course, is, um, uh, as it were, a breeding ground for, um, for, uh, for SAD. Mm. 
Yeah, and you work in hereditary? Yeah, the, 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 as they say, um, research would seem to back that up, that um, where we'll say a parent suffers or suffered uh, from SAD, that um, uh, a child of the family, uh, probably in adulthood, is, uh, is more likely... Uh, is a more likely candidate for SAD. Um, research w- would say that. But the, the clearest one of all, of course, would be the obvious one, um, living far from the equator, mm. where the days are uh, shorter in winter and the nights are dark and longer. And I suppose it doesn't help either that um, probably the weather isn't... Yeah, even you know, when we do get daylight hours, it's, I mean, yesterday would be a typical example. You wouldn't have put a dog out there yesterday. It was just one of those miserable days. It was bad, yeah. And then when you're talking about the symptoms with people feeling tired and, you know, just lack of energy, the very time in order to get over sad that you'd need to get out and walk, people are not feeling like getting out and walking. Precisely, mm. yes. It's like and a vicious circle. It's like a vicious circle then. It is. And you have kind of social withdrawal. People don't feel like going out. You can have work problems. I mean, people, you just don't feel, um, you know, um, lively and productive. Um, it can result. It can now. It, and, you know, it, it's it's a good thing to mention so that a person wouldn't. But there can be an, an increase in... Um, in in alcohol uh, uh, usage and that um, w- when a person is feeling down 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 and kind of feels that maybe a couple of glasses of wine or so would lift the would help with it and of course it doesn't it's bad enough to have one problem um, without, without having another one too yeah okay do you suggest getting a diagnosis of sad from a GP absolutely okay. like like I mean. It's like a mantra with us over the years, first port of call, the GP. And the, the GP then will do a physical exam, uh, will ask all the right questions, um, will probably do um, a, a, a blood count um, and uh, uh, blood test and, uh, and, and send that off, uh, just in case that, I mean... Uh, there could be other reasons for the person being down. It isn't safe just because it's winter to assume, oh, yeah, it's SAD. You know, there would have to yeah, be... Yeah, because I, I only discovered, I was chatting with somebody who, uh, the, talking the very same, uh, feeling very down and, and went for, for bloods, couldn't work out what it was. And I was saying, oh, you know, could it be sad and whatever. And she went to her doctor and it turned out that her, I think it was her B12 count was almost on the floor and that can lower your mood, which she, which she didn't, you know, it was a simple thing like that. Yeah. She just needs to get, I think, some shots or whatever. Yeah. And, and that's the value of the yeah. visit to the GP where... Rule where out. You, 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 you know, uh, you get a, a, a clear and a definite um, diagnosis. Yeah, well, I know a few years ago I went through feeling absolutely exhausted. Couldn't pinpoint what it was because I was sleeping, but I was coming home after work and like literally falling off to sleep. I was really exhausted. And it turned out I got diagnosed with an underactive thyroid gland. Uh Went on on my L-thyroxin and I've been perfect since. Yeah, I was just about to mention the same, that, I mean, when one would go to the GP, it could turn out to be... Um, in an underactive thyroid, and um, uh, all the um, all the 
uh, light box treatment, etc., etc., w- wouldn't uh, w- wouldn't do anything for it, yeah. as you say. The and that's becoming would. quite common. Mm-hmm. That's it. Seems to be becoming quite common. You hear about so many people being diagnosed yeah. with an underactive yeah. thyroid. I don't yeah. know what the reason for it is, but it definitely is becoming quite common. Yeah, we okay. have it here at home. Yeah. So once yeah. you have the diagnosis of SAD and they've ruled out everything else and the doctor decides, mm. yes, you've got SAD, it isn't a case to just go home and live with it. There is help available. Absolutely. Um, uh, um, uh, a lot of the time, an antidepressant uh, prescription uh, can help, um, especially if the symptoms are severe. Um, so that would be one thing that, um, that possibly the doctor might um, uh, prescribe. Um, maybe yes, maybe no, depending on uh, uh, on, on the doctor's opinion. Um, psychotherapy, um, talking things out, um, uh, you know, maybe having negative thoughts uh, challenged, maybe um, a bit of talk about behaviour. Um, that um, you know, if a person is just simply uh, cooped up. In the sitting room, well then, obviously, um, a little bit of uh, uh, exercise and getting out would help and these things would come up in psychotherapy. Um, In other words, like learning healthy ways to to cope, (coughs) excuse me, to cope with it. Um, And uh, then you have light box therapy. Um, th- this has come up a bit um, here as well down through the years. and uh, This is proving very successful for a lot of people. Apparently it yeah. works quite well um, uh, if it's used correctly. And, um, uh, you know... Now, for people who don't know, explain what a light box is. Yeah. Um, well, um, I suppose... Uh, uh, there's many a, a, a business, many a shop uh, will will know about uh, light boxes. Um, it's uh, I wouldn't pretend um, to be very te- technical about knowing uh, about a lot about them, but um, it's suggested, for example, <clears throat> that there should be an exposure of. No, I don't know what I'm talking about here. I'm I'm kind of uh, I looked it up, and this is what it told me. 10,000 uh, 10, lux of light, L-U-X. Okay. Um, now, the next bit is important, uh, obviously, that it would either um, emit as little UV light as possible or none. Yeah, and um, I, think, I think most of them have none. Yeah. Most of the ones that, that are on sale. And it, uh, it basically is, it looks like a little bit like a, a tablet or an iPad. Um, right. And then when you plug it in, it's just a sheet of light. <laughs> it literally is a strong, like a strong bulb is inside in it. But it's just like the screen you're looking at, the whole screen is lit with a bright light and you just sit with that close by you or in front of you or, you know, when you're doing whatever, you know, you can have it at your desk. Yeah, the, the usual is about 20 minutes to a half an hour yeah. and about um, about a foot and a half from, from the your face. face. Yeah. And... Um, to have it playing on the uh, face, but um, uh, with, with with the eyes open, but not looking directly at, at it. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, for for 
again, it's one of those things for the people that it work for. They think it's fantastic. And I've heard of people, they use it every single winter without fail. As soon yeah. as they, the dark evenings start to come in, out come the light box and then they'll put it away for the summer months. They don't seem to need it in the summer months. And it certainly seems to work. Don't know if it works for everyone, but it certainly does seem to work for, for a cohort of people. And it's it's yeah. getting more recognised. I'm, I'm yeah. seeing a lot more research on it and a lot more uh, professionals coming out saying that it has merit. Yeah, and and to get one that is specifically to treat SAD yeah. and um, to inquire about how much UV light does it release. Yeah, that's um, the important thing. And, you know, important. And, and is it handy for where you want to use it? I mean, if it's non-standing, for example, um, it wouldn't be any good to you on your desk. You'd be trying to prop it up against something. So just a couple of ordinary, straightforward, logical um, inquiries um, when you're um, choosing for, a light box. What, you want to. what about medication for, for SAD? Well, um, uh, antidepressants are regularly um, uh, prescribed for SAD and, um, you know, reports that come back would be, uh, would be positive. So, yes, indeed. And then again, um, there are a couple of what we'll call ordinary common sense things, like, um, you know to make sure that you're getting um, uh, an, enough sleep, um, to, uh, to, to, to get out and uh, use um, uh, the ordinary bit of sunlight that is there, um, and um, uh, the bit of exercise won't do the person any harm either. So that, I mean, there are ordinary common sense things to do as well, and to kind of check, um, you know, Am I am I sleeping okay? Um, if I am on a treatment plan, uh, am I following it, or is it a little bit um, hit and miss? You know that that that, that kind of thing that um, uh, that would be, as we'll say, pretty much um, common sense things that one can do, um, which would be helpful. Okay, and but it's reach out and get help. Don't be sort of suffering in silence thinking, oh, I just have to put up with this because it's going to happen every year because you can be utterly miserable with it. Yeah, and hopefully that if there is a listener who would be feeling down and that it's sort of, uh, you know, that, um, that a little bit of thinking about it might say, Do you know what, that seems to be um, when the old winter comes on. Um no, the thing is, anyone can have a down day, mm. but um, like if it's if it's uh, sticking in there, and uh, and and uh, uh, if it's uh, if it's prolonged, well then it's time to go and have a chat um, with the uh, with the GP and and see where that would lead to. As you say, it is the first port of call. Okay, yeah. that's where we leave it for today, Joe. Thank you for that. Okay. Have a lovely week. We'll chat next Tuesday. And the same. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Joe Heffernan, who runs a counselling practice in Bohapui. His number is o two nine seven six six one seven. And just a couple of things that I didn't get a chance to give a mention to. There's a stop and go system. I'm told in operation on the halfway to Inner Shannon Main Road. Uh, we've had reports in that a car has been rear-ended, so traffic is. A bit chaotic at the moment. I would try to avoid, if at all possible, uh, please. And the next monthly Dementia Cafe is going on in the Daily Grind in Canturk tomorrow, Wednesday, and that's on between three and half past four 
tomorrow all are welcome and that's where I leave you for today thanks to John Paul let's go out on this man alright that's it it's been a fantastic carousel I've enjoyed every minute of it God bless you all and good night Nick Richards plays Cork's greatest hits for your workday on C103 Madonna, Prince, Toto I play them all plus a brain twister to wreck your head and a Facebook question of the day like what's the weirdest thing you ever ate? Crocodile, You've eaten crocodile? A bit of crocodile, yeah. Wow, I am impressed. Weekdays from one. Playing Cork's greatest hits while you work. Nick Richards. Weekdays from one. C103. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.